With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you very much for downloading the Manchester Football Social Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel and you'll never miss a show. Also, you can find our City and United podcasts. If you search Manchester Football Social, you should see all the podcasts we do. So click subscribe to them if you're a red and a blue as well. We've got Steve over there. Hello. We've got Jay over there. Hello. They're going to be back again after the podcast where we're going to talk about Premier League players that have made an absolute fortune this season by sitting on their bottoms. (laughs) We'll get to that shortly, but first, enjoy the show. Manchester Football Social. Welcome to the Manchester Football Social. I'm Jim, and this is your place to talk about your football team. You can vent your frustrations, you can praise your players, you can sing the blues, you can complain to your red in the face, or you can just talk about how good your half-time pie was, if you like. This is your show. You can have your say. Give us a call. 0345 7625. That's the phone number. You can get us on the text as well. 87711. Or you can tweet at MCR Footy Social. Literally, anything goes as long as it is football shaped. <laughs> Fielding the topics that you're coming up with today, we've got Steve McInerney for the Blues. Even Steve. You all right? Yeah, I'm very good. What do you want to talk about today? Uh, I want to talk about whether Manchester City can win their five remaining games because it looks like we're going to have to do that to actually steal the the title from Liverpool's grasp it's a big ask but it's we can do it right to the wire this one isn't it oh, it's, it's going terrifying. right to the wire and for the red half of Manchester we've got Jay Mottershead evening Jay evening mate you okay very good um, well I'll tell you what I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about whether <laughs> United fans want United to lose against City if it stops Liverpool getting a title because quite frankly I'm done with you that discussion saying that I know well this is the thing we don't, <laughs> I'm not even going to argue on that point so all I'm going to say is I want United to win all, all their games always um, but I'd like to talk about United versus is Barcelona and whether we're still in it. Okay, right. We won't talk about the whether <laughs> United want to lose the City or not thing yet, which seems crazy to me. The whole don't, thing. Don't Why would you started. want your own football team to lose against your arch rivals, no matter what the outcome is? But maybe I just don't get the Liverpool rivalry. One of the things I want to talk about, and we're going to kick off with this, is the sticky topic of the quote anti-City agenda. Oh, end okay. quote that. Oh. Us lot in the media constantly have to cope with yeah, being Jim. accused. Of, what am I this, doing, Jim? <laughs> this anti-City <laughs> agenda that's going on. The reason I want to talk about this because I saw a whole load of City fans moaning at the weekend about <laughs> the do, fair, <laughs> about yeah. the panel that was picked to do Sky Sports Super Sunday because obviously it was City versus Palace and Liverpool versus Chelsea. And the panel they picked for that was Jamie Carragher, Jamie Redknapp, Graham Souness. And Ashley Cole. So that there was, was definitely, nice balance, yeah, <laughs> there was definitely a Merseyside tinge there, and it got people riled. That. Yeah, that's interesting. It got people riled that there is an anti-city agenda <laughs> going on in the media. It and got, everyone it got United fans riled. I saw this on my timeline. <laughs> why? Why does it? Does it? Firstly, does the anti-city agenda exist? Is uh, this something that um, actually exists? And secondly, why does it matter? I would say, and I've got my tinfoil hat hey on, but in general, I would say it doesn't come from a place of hating Manchester City if it does exist. It comes from a place of playing to a bigger audience if it right. does exist. I would say, in general, uh, United and Liverpool uh, have a they have a bigger fan base than Manchester City through years of success, and I think that's a fair thing to say. I can just 
tell in general. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result, uh, they're playing to the bigger audience. So, yes, of course, a bunch of Liverpool legends is going to appeal to the global fan base of Liverpool more than Manchester City, and I don't think they really care. Yeah. And also because it probably draws attention and attracts the hysteria and the ire around it in general that they actually like these days. It's getting more and more like fan zone permanently on, on, on BT Sport or whatever these days. It's, you've got fans of teams just commentating. I, mean, I remember the old days of Peter Drawing like that when we had a bit of classiness, you know, to commentary. <laughs> but that's died off, really. But the agenda thing, I don't think there's a, I don't people, I think, are sat there trying to bring Manchester City down because if City all of a sudden inherited 200, 300,000 new fans in the country, I think they'd be writing positive articles to try and mm. please them because they're going to chase the clicks and they're going to chase the views and they're going to play to the bigger audience. Uh, it's, it's just, I think, um, a byproduct of who we are as opposed to, um, you know, anyone disliking us in particular. That's my take. I could be wrong, obviously, but that's how I take it because I think, in general, they just want the numbers. Is there an element here of Manchester City fans, given where they've come from in recent history and they've been the underdog, they've been the little man battling against the system, that they <laughs> want to fight someone. They kind of want well, to be some of it. pushing against the... the <sighs> like the... the I can't think of the right word, the society, essentially. The established regime. Yeah, establishment, that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> I think in general, some of it gets a bit silly because I don't mind criticism of the club when it's warranted, but when you've got, like, I don't know, usually reputable journalists pointing out empty seats at half-time and stuff, like, what what are they trying to achieve from that other than get some numbers from opposition fans? And that stuff genuinely doesn't happen towards other clubs. When there is some nights when there is empty seats for other teams, that kind of stuff is tedious because you're like, oh, come on, if you're going to hit us somewhere, at least go for the club, don't go for the fans, you know, mm. stuff like that. And I think sometimes because because it's popular to, you know, beat on certain people. I think people get a bit carried away with it. And that does sometimes happen where it's beyond reasonable, in my opinion, uh, because it just goes past football. It goes to the point of point scoring. And uh, if you point scoring... But every club has this, don't they? I mean, yeah, but not, not United when, he... when Jose Mourinho there or Louis van Gaal was that's there. That's not We're the fans, constantly though. being held. Like, when no, it goes to the fans, areas. I think it's different. But I mean, that's, I think the club's fair game. But when it gets, to, when it gets personal almost like mm. that, to me, I don't like it. But... Yeah, I, I accept it comes with the territory. I, I also don't think we're largely, I can only speak for myself here, like I'm 33, so I'm not used to City being successful. And I'm definitely not used to uh, seeing all this attention. Does. And it does take a bit of time to get used to because you have to adopt, and, and Jay would probably yeah. uh, agree with this too, under Ferguson, this kind of siege mentality of everyone hates us I and think, we don't I care. I think you get in the right tone with it as well because you're sticking together, it's us against them, the establishment out to get us, the media hates us. Fergie did it brilliantly. He didn't yeah. speak to the BBC for about 10 years. Yeah. He was, he, you know, <laughs> he, all the referees were against us. All the other fans, he accused other teams of rolling over and dying when they were playing our rivals, which obviously got the backup <laughs> of a certain manager in particular. He, yeah, you know, he was constantly <laughs> looking for these feuds and, and whether they were existed or not. And it, it's a compliment, mate. It's a backhanded compliment because, you, you know, the worst thing you want to be is irrelevant. And going back to the original mm. question about is there an anti-City agenda, I think there's more of a pro-Liverpool agenda, which is what you commented on. Yeah, I'd probably I think there's that. a massive sort of balls around Liverpool at the minute from the media and from everyone where they, they almost will try to will this title towards Merseyside. We saw it in 2009, we saw it in 2014, we're seeing it again. So the, I, the I think this will be huge. They yeah, know it will be. They know that's what they're doing. Well, that's the, job, that's the job of them, isn't it? They're not it's news not, night. Not they new. don't have to be fair and balanced. No. They just have to present well, an entertaining television programme. The BBC have to be relatively impartial, I think, don't they? I think they're meant to be like... Not but, when it comes to football, I don't think. I, I think in general, like, can't they? there's a line, though, and when you've got like a Liverpool fan sat there commentating, just screaming, oh, Salah, you're, ta- you're dancer, whatever no. it is you were saying, stuff like that gets annoying. It's like, but come on, you still have to provide an entertaining package for the rest of the fans. I don't, and, like, yeah, yeah. I think there's a bit of a line of quest. At least someone like Neville tries to be impartial. It's so, to... In many ways, I think he goes a little bit too so far. For there's well, a lot of United fans who are surprised that Alfaro will go sometimes yeah. to well, not be well, pro United. Yeah, well, that, I mean, at least, well, either way, too far or not, he, tr- he definitely Yeah, no, he tries. definitely does. He uh, point. When you've got the point where some are just acting like a fan, and uh, I guess my place comes from, I wish we just got more value for the money, that kind of thing. Just like, yeah. at least inform us. At least don't act like John down the pub who's had four pints. You know, like, you're meant to be on TV in front of millions of people. Have a bit of consideration for the audience audience and just be good broadcasters sometimes it's so frustrating when you get some of these pundits like soccer saturday for example and you get them and they're asked basic questions about teams that aren't in the top four or five or who are in europe <laughs> and it's like oh i don't really know much about them. i've not really watched them much of them i watched them when they played city in the champions league but other than that i've not seen them and you think that's not good enough it's that's your job. job you do yeah. a bit of research have a bit of a google 
just you know pretend <laughs> you know lie. what you're yeah, yeah like, it's easy it's what I do pick a player at random and lord about him just pretend you know what you're talking about rather than just going through the same old side cliches because like you say you pay a lot of money for you, you, you to watch football to watch Sky BT and the rest of it and you expect a certain standard and I don't mind the fan influence you talked about on BT you know and that's not just because mm. I've done some myself <laughs> when they've asked me for a post reaction but I, I don't mind a little bit that mixed in with the experts and the, oh, I yeah, think yeah, it adds, it adds a bit to it yeah Expert it's when you've got fans. I get what you're saying when you've got basically a bunch of fanboys who are ex-players just all yes. gunning for the same team to win it does get a little tiring and you know there's the, the big thing with United fans is at the, at the this season has been Sunes and Pogba and mm. we just seem to have this real thing about Pogba and it's just it's got a little bit weird at times and it's things like that when you're watching it and you think this isn't good enough you know we, we expect better and we deserve better as, as, as viewers than just tired old cliches and, and not being able to give us some expert analysis you know you play game the game at a higher level that any of us can dream of yeah. prove that show it to us show us what you know that we don't is it a case though that sometimes, and I'll put this to bed in a minute, <laughs> that if you're looking at the lineup at the weekend, it was Liverpool versus Chelsea. They had Liverpool and Chelsea players. The other game was City versus Palace. Who from a City or Crystal Palace fraternity would you get on to be a pundit? If you're looking for a fair and honest reflection of the games that's going on, the way you're who going would with you this, have, though, with got... all due respect to the people from Manchester City's past, but the players from the past, from the same era as your Neville's and your Ferdinand's and whatnot. Why do they have to be as big a names as them? Why do they have to be? Because you called it earlier. That makes people watch the television. It makes people tune in. What about someone like Zabaleta? You know, what's wrong with him? He was a pundit during the summer. And he's done a bit of punditry, hasn't he? He has, yeah. What about people like him? But they just can't be bothered. He was playing in the game. (laughs) He was was playing Saturday, so it's definitely... Marking Andy Marshall out of the game for half of it, which is a bit disturbing (laughs) from your point of view. All right, well, we'll put the anti-City agenda to bed for the time being, chiefly because I'm responsible for most of it, maybe. (laughs) So we'll get rid of that one for now. Let's talk about the game itself. We'll get on to Manchester United struggling against West Ham at the weekend very shortly. Jay can't wait to talk about that one. But from a Manchester City point of view, the Crystal Palace game a few fans were nervous going into that Steve I was nervous going to that I think it didn't help obviously because of the Spurs game midweek but and we've got a thing about Palace anyway uh, they ended uh, they, they beat us early in the season last season they ended our winning run where we drew 0-0 at Sellers Park and they're just the kind of team uh, that kind of stadium that kind of gets to us sometimes and mm. when we're looking at the fixtures especially after the Spurs game it looked like one we could slip up on and to be honest they surprised me with how composed they were in the end but it was a terrifying game um, the context around it uh, the players, they've got, you know, the likes of Zaha, he's a good player, and they've got Milihovic, I can't even say it, never will be able to say it. Um, he obviously is a good set-piece thing, and it proved that way. And then they've got some decent players and thousands scoring a worldie against Brazil in the season mm. for 35 yards and a volley. You just think, oh, no, it's going to happen again. And that's the biggest fear for Manchester City fans, always, it's going to happen again. This whole typical City thing was born from repeated exposure to idiocy. So, in general, <laughs> that's why, that's why, like, in general, we fear it all. So, um... I was scared for that, but like um, the performance was very good. It was really good. And I was I felt a lot better when company said beforehand uh, that this kind of conservative city that we saw the week, uh, sorry, during the week against Spurs, that that unfamiliar city we wouldn't wouldn't see again this season. Which mm. obviously showed to me that they felt like maybe there's a bit of split in the camp in terms of how they should have played. And Gundogan was quite critical as well. Pep defended his approach, but it looks like they spoke, you know, during the week. And when I heard him say that, I thought, right, we're going to take this really seriously. Uh, we're going to take it. We're going to name a strong lineup, and we did. Um, and it was really reassuring because we got the three points. There seems to be a thing with City at the moment where they are taking their foot off the gas slightly. When you get to kind of the two goals up mark, it's like that's when City are choosing to sit back slightly. Is that a conscious tactical thing? Is it saving energy? Is it just fatigue coming in at this stage of the season? I think it's a necessary evil. In general, though, I thought we were doing pretty well and they got a free kick and it was their only chance of the game and they scored. You know, that can happen yeah, mm. when you're playing at the top level because you can't, you know, you can't concede no chances in it. Especially at Selhurst Park, you know, with, with a good team. Uh, but yeah, there will be times when we switch off, sometimes intentionally, sometimes maybe through physical, you know, or mental fatigue or whatever. But I... I yeah, I, it's one of those things at this stage of the season, I really honestly don't care how we win. I know it's a very worn, tired cliche, but it genuinely is true. Like, nothing matters at this stage other than getting three points. And in the end, it wasn't quite a comfortable game. We had you know, five minutes of being scared, but I could not really be too critical even then if we had switched off, given everything that's happened recently, because it's just going to happen. And the way, the, the way you have to go about it is just kind of learn to roll with it and then react to it and deal with it. Five games left. You asked the question at Ugh. the very top of the show, do you need to win every single one of those five games if you were going to go home with the Premier League title? Uh, yes. 
sadly, yes, because Liverpool's games are really easy. Um, the only thing I can think of put a span in the works is if this lot somehow do a miracle and beat Barcelona and then a Champions League tie would really get their attention. You know, that would be mm. absolutely huge. But our games... Um, Compared to theirs, they're more difficult. We've got more of them. We've got five left. They've got four left. Uh, we've got uh, Spurs. Like The Spurs game, usually I wouldn't be too worried about. It's the fact that we're playing Spurs after playing Spurs. It's just, it's mm. ripe for a reaction. If we, you know, if we knock them out, they'll want a reaction. If they beat us, we could be on a downer. So either way, it's it's not a good game to have. The timing of a Spurs game is really bad. Then United after that, which is obviously the, the weirdest derby I, I can imagine. Like, the last two derbies, like, well, the one obviously last season, at this stage of season, was weird uh, yeah. because we could have won the league. And this one is like, you don't want to win it. You wanted to win that one to stop us. And it's just really strange. Then he goes to Burnley away, which is just another Mingan game. Leicester at home should be all right. And Brighton last day of the season away. I'm not worried if we get to that point we need to win that game I think we should win it it's just the next two they're just horrible they're really horrible if you wanted some players to be hitting form at this time though then having KDB coming back oh, and having a, a cracking game at the weekend and Raheem Sterling just seems to get better by the week at the moment he's turning into a what well, is already a fantastic player and he's getting in amongst the goals he's now two goals off the top of the golden boot chart which is insane it's fantastic there was a there was um, a moment last season uh, I've just mentioned Burnley it was Burnley away where uh, we drew the game one all and Sterling missed an absolute sitter like really bad and do you remember the all or nothing documentary uh, the, mm. the Amazon Prime one yeah uh, there was a, a scene where Guardiola was chatting to Arteta and he was saying to Arteta like how I told him it just wasn't good enough you can't do that you can't us and he was really brutal about it and apparently he had quite a well he just said he did to Arteta that he had a really stern talking to Sterling and Sterling's head dropped after that miss burning last season and he took him off now the reason I mentioned that is because uh, the weekend Sterling missed a sitter a genuinely really bad finish uh, we should have been one up and given the time of the season it could have been so crucial to miss that kind of chance but then obviously the free ball from De Bruyne and to finish a harder chance given the context of that and then get his second as well it just shows how much as a player that he's improved and how strong he is mentally at the moment how much he's come on uh, as a footballer as an adult as a person uh, because he would not have scored that second chance um, last season he would have his head would have dropped and that's only you know 12, 11 months ago um, but he's there and De Bruyne coming back as well he was fantastic at the weekend it wasn't just because of his performance he does see things that people don't see with the ball at his feet but it's more than that it's um, that aggression he's got uh, he's kind of coming back as he starts to just trust his body a little bit more and because um he hates being out. I read an interview today and the other Players' Tribune thing where they have like these long-form interview pieces with players. Mm. Uh, there's a famous one with Sterling about racism and all that kind of stuff. And the De Bruyne one today, he talked about the only time he's cried in the past like seven years, even above childbirth and weddings, was when he got injured at the start of the season because it means that much to him. So you could see the intensity in his performance at the weekend, how he wants to win this. And having someone like him, a world-class player, come back with that drive is probably just the kind of energy at this stage of the season City need to push them over the line a little bit. Uh, it's a massive boost I'm, it's almost worked out quite kindly for us to have him back with this intensity now obviously you know we could have been a better off maybe maybe with De Bruyne full season but at the moment it just seems like a genuine like new signing vibe because he's just so influential do you think it's important to have him back at this stage of the season because there seems to be an element of I, I, I don't know I get the impression that maybe Pep doesn't quite trust the alternatives he has in midfield sometimes. Maybe he doesn't quite trust Sane for the big games. He maybe doesn't quite try. Certainly doesn't seem to trust Mares. He doesn't seem to fit into the City system at the moment. So having KD be back in this scenario, it's kind of that go-to alternative. I think he trusts Sane. I don't think he trusts Mares as much. I think the reason Sane hasn't played much is just because Bernardo Silva's been fantastic and Sterling and Bernardo have been more senior and been mm. better this season um, yeah it's obviously huge for De Bruyne um, I think De Bruyne back means Bernardo can play out wide and the reason he likes Bernardo out wide is because he defensively is so solid and at this stage of the season that's really important like um, he was just off as more defensively and he's obviously really intelligent his composure his leadership the, how much he works uh, yeah De Bruyne is just a hugely influential member of this squad he just, he's just a born winner Um and I think that's just so crucial. And it obviously gives him more players to uh, you know rotate. He can rest people. Oh, he's just a phenomenal footballer. I could talk about him all day, was, but was, I won't. Was, was it this 
interview today that we were talking about Jose when he was at Chelsea. Is that part of it? I saw <laughs> that on Twitter where he said <laughs> Jose bad. brought him to his office and started listing players that had more assists than him. And he was like, they played 20 times and I, I played, played three. three. <laughs> <laughs> that was his reasoning. I was like, genuinely. That's what you see on Twitter from eight-year-olds in Puzzle. <laughs> wow. You called him into the office and said, you've only got one assist and zero <laughs> like, goals. He said, I played three games. <laughs> like wow. They played 20 and that's why they've got five assists. Jose Mourinho style of management and motivational speaking let's get you into the office and criticise you for not not scoring more yep. than you want to that's the interview it's great over the way if you hunt it down after the show of course and have a read yeah. final bit on City with those five games go on I'm not going to ask you can you win them <laughs> I'm going to ask you will you win them oh I'm going to say yes okay so I'm going to say yeah I have to believe that. I have to believe it I'll, I'll cry if I don't believe it. So there we go. You might notice <laughs> we've, we've not talked about the Champions League game that's coming up this week. We're not going to do that on this show because the Manchester City Football Social is kicking into gear tomorrow. Steve yep. will be back alongside Nat Pike and Walter Smith to talk about that. So if you're a blue and you want to get the full rundown and all the build up to the Manchester City Champions League second leg against Spurs on Wednesday, tune in tomorrow from six o'clock or get the podcast. Search Manchester City Football Social wherever you find your podcasts and that one will pop up. If you've been sitting with your fingers in your ears for the last <laughs> 20 minutes and when are they going to talk about Manchester United we're going to get on to that next Manchester United an important win against West Ham United but a lucky win we'll get Jay's views on that next this is the Manchester Football Social oh before we go I've got a little question for you so Sterling's second goal in Manchester yes. City's game at the weekend was the 150th yeah. across all competitions for Manchester City there's only one other top flight team that has ever scored more than 150 goals across all competitions in one season. In England? I'm, in England. Okay. I'm going to ask you who it was. I will tell you the answer next. 87711, if you think you know, we'll do that next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social. I'm Jim. Steve McInerney's over there. Hello. Jay Mottershead is over there. Hello. And if you want to get involved, you can pick up the phone and give us a call on 0345 7625. We're going to talk about Manchester United versus West Ham very shortly and United's game against Barcelona tomorrow night. Can they win? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just letting that one sink in for a little bit. No happening. one's quite sure. No one's that confident about that one. Right, so I asked you a question into the break there. I want to know whether, or if there was another top flight team that had scored over 150 goals across all competitions in a season, because Manchester City have done that this season. There is one other team that has done it. Who was the other team? Any suggestions? United, obviously. Yeah, probably United, doesn't it? It was not United, oh. but they are a team based in Manchester. <laughs> The only other team to have done it is Manchester City, oh. who did it 2013, 2014. Oh, it's a trick question. I thought you were saying it was another team. Like a, oh. no. Yeah, it's Pellegrini's team. We're going to beat that. We just had this conversation. Was it just, oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> was it just six? Uh, 156. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I know that. Actually, now you've mentioned it. I said to Steve, I said, I think it might have been Liverpool under Rodgers, and he said, no, we scored more than them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> they nearly did it, but we scored more. Right. We've teamed up with a gaming app called Discord, by the way. So if you're into gaming and you've got that downloaded, there's a man's City channel on there where you can have a chat about all things City and you can also get a heads up of the things we're talking about on the show and if you want to come on the show we can sort it out via that as well which means our tentacles are now reaching beyond at the M60 and to different parts of the world and Guy is in Israel he's a City fan out those ways and he wanted to come on for a chat evening Guy evening thanks for coming on thank you for coming on so I know you wanted to talk about the Manchester City versus Spurs game this week, the Champions League semi-final. How are you going into that? Are you feeling confident? Uh, it depends really on the lineup. Uh, when I saw the lineup on uh, on Tuesday, it didn't really fill me with a lot of confidence. But uh, it depends on how how Pep is going to set the team out. If we play the, the right players, I think we have a good chance of winning. It's not going to be easy because we have to we have to deal with the fact that we're playing at home and we can't uh, score in you know, and away goal and all, and all that. But, uh, yeah, I can say I'm fairly confident, but we'll have to see. Guy, it's Stephen here, mate. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'll... I just wondered, do you reckon um, Pep was actually right to go for that lineup against Spurs at the midweek? Because obviously it caused a lot of contention and people were saying he maybe... He didn't quite get it right. What was I your was surprised at how negative a lot of the fan base were towards saying he'd got it wrong and he'd messed up. And there, was, <laughs> there was a caller on another radio station suggesting he should be sacked wow. <laughs> because of it as well. Go, what do you reckon, guy? Yeah, I 
I don't think he should be sacked over the lineup. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I do think there was a few errors there. Um, you, you've played the entire season so that you can play your best team in those exact matches. You know, we have been resting players in a lot of matches. So I thought, you know, maybe we could have uh, perhaps played uh, the likes of Stones or, or Kevin Borena at least bring them on earlier. But that's why you have a big squad so that you have players ready for the entire season. I do think uh, there was a few mistakes in that lineup, but I, I don't, I'm not sure that's entirely why we lost the match. I think there was a, a, bit more, uh, a bit more to it. What's most important to you now, Guy? I mean, what's the bigger game? Because Steve was saying a minute ago that out of the five games left in the Premier League, every single one is a must-win game if you want to win the title. But then, obviously, you've got the Champions League semi-final second leg. You're carrying a deficit from the first leg. So, if you can only play your strongest team in one of those games coming forward, which one is it? Which one do you go for? It's a difficult question. Uh, I think, well, first and foremost, you got a, you got the, the Champions League tie. And I think it's pretty much a given that we have to play our best team on that. There's really no wiggle room there. But uh, in terms of the next few matches, yeah, you got Spurs at home in the league. That's a, uh, obviously a very important match. And you got uh, United away. Uh, I was very nervous yesterday about the, the Palace match. I'm sure a lot of City fans yeah. were. Because to me, and it's going to sound a, a bit weird, I genuinely thought that was going to be our hardest match, including like United and Spurs. I thought for sure we're going to drop points there. Um... I don't know. I think we can allow ourselves to play some uh, some of the squad players in perhaps some of the league matches. But I think against the big teams, you, you got to go with the strongest lineup because that's what you that's what you have the entire season for mm. those matches. And if you don't play your best players in those like money time matches, well, kind of defeats the purpose. Guy, cheers for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks for calling. 0345 7625 if you want to get involved. We've had a lot of city chat. Let's focus on the red half of Manchester for a bit, Jay, because yes. three points in the bag at the weekend, but you've got to say it was a lucky three points. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'd love to come here and sit and say we dominated the game and the, the scoreline flattered them and all the rest of it, but it's not the case. I mean, United haven't looked great for a few weeks now, probably since Paris, and it was the same again on Saturday we just didn't really get going. Certain players who you wanted to step up who've not played as much recently didn't. Um, and we were fortunate. I think we've all probably seen the, the fantastic save from David De Gea. I mean, that's nothing new in itself, but also they rattled the woodwork. They just looked more up for it than we did. And that, that's what worried me a little bit is that certain players who you think, right, now here's your chance to get into the manager's thinking for Barcelona to, to, to get at a team that are very beatable. And instead, we just seem to be bit lethargic, a bit almost indifferent to it all and that's what worries me. I don't like that sort of complacency creeping in and, and I don't get it as well because we're not in a position where we can be complacent because we need every single point we can get. Do you think it's intentionally complacent or just a, a general kind of like anxiety creeping in from, you know, the past six, seven months kind of catching up with them a little bit? I think there's a bit of deflation has sort of got got into the club as, as a whole. It's got into some of the fans. It's got maybe got in getting through to some of the players that we had such... It's been such a roller coaster. I know it's a cliche. It's such a roller coaster season. We had, I mean, this goes back to pre season, don't forget. In pre season, we had an absolutely bonkers pre season where the manager took a load of youngsters on, on tour and then told the world that none of them were good enough. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Then, <laughs> classic. Yeah. Thing. He then decided to turn his attention to the first team by telling the first team that none of the defenders were good enough and that the board hadn't backed him to the way that he wanted to. So already you're, you've got your, almost your entire team thinking we're not good enough. <laughs> then, you, then you get a set of results that almost prove the manager right. Um, he goes and one of the most popular people in United's history comes in as manager and just hits the ground running and then some we win all these games the feeling is amazing we're just winning game after game after game breaking all these records the only time we get beat we then go against Paris we go away and get that amazing result over in, in, in against Paris Saint-Germain and it's just such an amazing feeling I keep saying the word amazing it's such a, a great feeling around the club it's almost like the Fergie era is back already and then since then We've had deflating results and it just, you know, defeat after defeat after what defeat. What happened at that and point after the Paris it's game? It's really strange. I think you could argue going into the Arsenal game after Paris that we had left a lot on the pitch in Paris, if you want to use that expression. I think we were a little bit unlucky against Arsenal as well. I don't think the ref was very, very good. And I think, you know, you have one mistake from David De Gea who never usually <laughs> makes any mistakes. Then you look at other games, you look at Wolves, 
Wolves have had our number this season. Don't ask me why, but they have. They, we played them three times. We haven't, we haven't won any of them. They've, they've played us off the park pretty much in three games. And it's just it's it's just been a real strange one. It's almost as if a little bit. I was asked this today, and I think a little bit a little bit of it has been Ollie. I think he has been a little bit maybe tactically naive. I think he's rushed certain players back. Mm. And I think one of the big problems United have got, you know, Steve sat here talking about, oh, Brother Bruyne comes back, or this player comes <laughs> in, or Sterling steps up. We're over-reliant, I keep saying this, we're over-reliant on Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford as well, yeah. funnily enough. Those two are so integral to the way that Oli sets up and the way we like to attack that when they don't perform, for whatever reason, we struggle. And it was the same on Saturday. We had to bring Rashford on. Ideally, Rashford would have got nowhere near that game because he's definitely going to start mm. on Tuesday. And he needed a rest because he ran his socks off on Wednesday. But we needed him and we had to bring him on. And when we brought him on, we get the win. Because even when he's not having the greatest of game, he's such an outlet. He's so fast. He gets in behind them. He, he loves the ball at his feet. And he's, he he links up well with, with Pogba as well. And Pogba's another one. The, the times we've struggled this season is when Pogba's bit gone off the boil against Paris Saint-Germain at home. We struggled because Marquinhos had his number. He was just on him constantly. Didn't let him breathe. He got the early book in Pogba, which unsettled him. And then obviously he got sent off. We're just too reliant on those two players. And yes, Martial does a job and Lukaku does a job and Lingard does a job, but not as good a job as those two. And that's the main issue I think we've got. We need to. We need other players to step up. Whether those players are in the squad or whether we bring them in remains to be seen, but it's definitely not really clicking at the minute. And I think that's because of the strength in depth. The one thing that would worry me for a United fan at the moment, and I was looking at the stats from the game at the weekend, and I think West Ham will feel hard done by not to go away from Old Trafford with anything, because United had less shots than them, they created less chances than them. But the one that really would worry me from a United point of view was the passing accuracy, which was well down on the visitors. And they just seemed to be giving the ball again, away again and again. Even De Gea was... Yeah. His we had, distribution we, was terrible at the weekend. We, we had that issue against Wolves, you remember. Um, I think it was in the league where the hate to Fred. The Fred loses it, and I, a lot of people blame the keeper for that. I didn't. I thought Fred should, shouldn't have lost it. We had yeah, no one around I agree him. with that. Yeah, it was a bit of a... Just, yeah, that was Fernandinho. He's keeping it and playing it to someone else. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's it, we are being wasteful in possession, and I think there's this sort of attitude as well of, oh, if, if no one's making me, I'll just hit a long ball, a hit and hope sort of thing, which mm. you shouldn't be doing. I think, you know, you need to have a system and stick to it. And if our system is we're going to play attractive football, which is what Ollie's spoken about and what we've seen early on in his, his managerial reign, then we need to stick to that, that ethos and not just start hoofing it up when, when things aren't going our way. We've got the quality. We have got players who are comfortable with the ball on the feet. But it says a lot when, against West Ham, Chris Smalling is the one who's carrying the ball, not just into the opposition's half, but almost towards their area. He's the one with the ball at his feet running through. And you want other players to be doing that. You want other players to be carrying the ball. You want other players to be playing like the ones who's the, the attractive football. We've got world-class players at United. Let's not kid ourselves. Even our misfiring players are still a cut above most of the other teams, certainly above West Ham's. So we need to start utilising them. Is it worrying to have that kind of performance against a game like the Champions League tomorrow night against one of the best teams in the world and you've just come off struggling against a mid-table team in the Premier League? That's not the ideal preparation, is it? I think they'll step up a little bit. I think yeah. they'll be better because just because of the occasion, um, yeah. I think it'll get to United a little bit more. Having said that, it, could, it couldn't go that way. It might not go it, but I think in general... Uh, I, think, I think you will play better, weirdly, against your Barca than you do against West Ham. I mean, yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be enough, though, personally. Yeah. Still... Uh, my, my main concern, I mean, Barcelona rested all 10 of their outfield players at the weekend. <laughs> Literally, I think they went the way to, I can't pronounce the names, so forgive me, it's Uesca, however you say it. I think they drew 0-0 in the end, but I don't think it matters. They're still going to walk La Liga. Um, so they rested their entire team. We've obviously had to play some of our players that will play um, tomorrow night at the new Camp. So yeah, you, you look at it and you think some of our players are looking a little bit tired and not a great performance against a struggling West Ham team or a, a, a West Ham team that are just mid-table and sort of nothing much to play for. It's not great preparation, but the one sort of crumb of comfort I do get is this has been such a crazy season as a United fan. I can't remember a season like it where you've had a managerial change before Christmas. You've had a record-breaking run of away victories that even Sir Alex Ferguson didn't achieve. You've you've been the only team in Champions League history to lose a knockout group stage, uh, knockout stage at home two 0 and still go through. And then you've had this horrible run. I think it's four defeats in six games, which had we lost at the weekend would have been five defeats in six games, which would have been one of our worst runs in twenty five years or our worst run in twenty five years. So it might just be that crazy that we go to the new camp and get a, a result no one expects. Who knows, not likely, but as a United fan, if there's anything I've learned over the, the years, it's never give up. We, we've surprised the odds 
um, when we've been up against it before and we might just have it just um, in our locker again it's another smalling elbow to Messi's face you thought it really <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris Mike Smalling does that uh, that might give us a chance someone was saying today our chance was then they're saying Lionel Messi doesn't have two bad games in, in a row and that's 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 <laughs> another thing that worries me yeah because he didn't really do anything at Old Trafford obviously they still won without him doing much but the likelihood of him having another bad game isn't yeah. great but you know what we've got Scott McTominay everything's going to be alright he had a worldie uh, on, on Wednesday and I'm confident he'll do the same again there's a text here from Sue in Salford who says United to need to play the game of their lives tomorrow night which I think there's no dispute in that at all the players need to step up and believe they can beat Barca the honeymoon period is definitely over from Ole coming in for Jose hard work right now if we do get beat tomorrow then we just got to keep the heads fight for fourth place and not worry about what Liverpool or City are doing and that's well, it isn't it well I mean, said Sue in Salford I couldn't agree more um, this this is the problem as well because this is almost your season I know we've still got to go for top four but after the Bas- if we were to get knocked out after Barcelona it's so deflating because we know what's looming we know it's the derby and we know we're in a scrap for top four we also know that whoever wins the title is going to be one of our rivals it's not going to be pretty seeing someone lift the title whoever it is um, and then we're going to have to watch probably City and Liverpool in the Champions League as well so yeah, a lot rests on tomorrow. Really, it's, it's a brilliant like... season of football. This isn't it? It's oh, a can't believe, I can't. I can't believe how it's, it's come to this. I thought last season when we were sort of praying on Ronaldo in the in the final to do us a favour was bad, but now it's 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 well, come around again. And it's we even both worse. Feel, feel sick in very different ways, don't we? Yeah, and it's <laughs> like you know, you're, I, I love to have your problems <laughs> sitting here at the minute. I know how City fans used to feel in the mid nineties when I used to be worrying about maybe not winning that third title in three, three years, and they were worrying about relegation. It's role reversal almost. If you want to get involved in tonight's show you can give us a call 0345 111 is the number text number 87711 you can talk about whatever you like whether it's City United or something else and we're going to turn our attention slightly away from both of those clubs next and towards Rochdale because Joe Thompson the man who scored the goal to keep Rochdale in the division after battling cancer is coming on to have a little chat with us and we'll do that next on the Manchester Football Social Manchester Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show Manchester Football Social this is the Manchester Football Social, your show to talk about your team. We've got Jay Moddershead and Steve McInerney in the studio. Evening, boys. Oh, Evening, right. sir. And if you want to get involved, there is still time. 0345-111-7625. If you want to give us a call and talk about anything to do with City United or any of the other teams in Greater Manchester. And we're going to turn our attention slightly towards Rochdale now because former Rochdale midfielder Joe Thompson and his long-standing coach Martin Hall are hosting a very special event, which isn't far from us here at Excess Manchester. It's over in the Barclays building. Building in spinning fields this Thursday night. It's all for charity for Baggy Trousers UK, which is a testicular cancer charity. And Joe and Martin are on the phone to tell us a little bit more about it. Evening, boys. How are you? Okay? Good evening. Yeah, very good. Thank you very much for coming on. So, uh, tell us a little bit about this event. It's called Staying Positive Through Hardship, which is something mm-hmm. that Joe, you've had plenty of experience off in this kind of area. Your claim to fame, if you yeah. like, is scoring the goal that kept Rochdale up. But what makes that story so inspiring and so impressive is that you scored that goal after making a recovery from cancer. Yes, no. So um, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma um, back in 2013 and then had a relapse. Um, and, yeah, like you say, the goal was... Just over 12 months after getting put in remission the second time. So um, there was a lot of adversity, but I did. I managed to remain positive and obviously brought it back the other way to maximum impact in a way. It's an absolutely incredible story and I want to talk about Martin's role in that staying positive and kind of what the event's about very shortly. But the words that you would have heard that you've got cancer is a phrase that I think most of us will hope we've never heard or will never hear at any point in our lives but you heard that in the peak of your career do you remember hearing that sentence for the first time? I do yeah and it was tough to take Um, it really was I was um, shocked taken aback all those kind of feelings and emotions that you can imagine but kind of on a bigger scale um, so yeah I was upset I was tearful um, I was scared because I was totally naive and ignorant to 
cancer. Um, and like you say, I was young. I was only 23 the first time. Mm. And I was uh, I'd not long become a father. So I had a little girl who was nearly one. Um, and I was really struggling to come to terms with it. It's an incredible story. And obviously now the, the kind of it felt like a bit of a bookend coming back to Rochdale and scoring that goal and all that kind of thing yeah but through that journey and I know this is what the event holding in spinning fields is about Martin you can explain this how did you help Joe through that experience well um, interesting thing was was when Joe and I first started working together um, you know we worked on Joe set we set a load of goals at the start of, of our work when Joe was 21, 22 and actually when Joe got diagnosed the first time he was on his way to achieving lots of those goals and ticking them off mm. and so um, to, to have that news along the way was you know well it was earth shattering it was like the biggest setback you could imagine not something was plotted but interestingly and part of the story which we'll tell on Thursday evening is that the goal at the end of the season we have a phrase and we say was it destiny or was it design and the goal that Joe scored at the end of the season to save Watchdale from relegation that was something that we'd thought about not that specific goal because you could never anticipate Joe going through cancer but way before he got diagnosed <laughs> scoring a goal of such magnitude mm. so having that vision was one of the things which helped Joe stay resilient it was constantly thinking about you know these are the things I've got to work towards and so part of my role really is just reminding him of those, of those things but Joe's a positive person anyway so it was it, it wasn't like I was having to instill the mental strength in him it was just you know we were just talking about the future it's, always, it's interesting to hear that you were working with Joe before he, he had the diagnosis and has that always yeah. been your frame of mind Joe have you always been one of those people that's like if I can see where I'm going I'm going to get there quicker that kind of thing uh, I think it's like anything you've got to identify what like motivates you and you do have to set goals like my life to a certain extent has never really been easy I've had a a slightly eventful upbringing and whatnot, but I've never made excuses and I've always remained ambitious and I think like Martin touched upon then, I went to him as a young 21, 22-year-old uh, kind of thinking outside the box how I could improve my game from a psychological aspect. Um, and then we had to really put into play a lot of the stuff that we worked on together in life um, and I've always been a positive person, but like you say, Martin has mentored me along the way and he even visited me quite a few times in hospital to just remind me of what I was doing it for and who I was doing it for. That whole staying positive thing, and this is where I think I, I, I struggle with seeing how it would work for me in your scenario, because I can imagine staying positive if you don't get a promotion at work, or I can imagine staying yeah. positive if... Your, I don't know, your, your holiday cancels or little things yeah, like that. Yeah, Fine, yeah. you go. But when you've got sort of life-changing news of the kind of level you had, how do you stop yourself just turning inwards and going under? Ah, uh, good question. Um, I think I, I would suppose my mum's got a lot to to kind of. Um, she's instilled a lot of that resilience in me. Um, and you know making the best out of a bad hand no matter how bad it is um, and it was tough there's no way of getting about that and I do talks now about it and I think you know there was a time where it was like especially the second time like why what what have I done something wrong you know that victim um, I'm not going to call it a victim mentality but like it is something fundamentally wrong have I done something wrong but for me it was just like this is the situation you find yourself in what am I going to do what can I control in this situation to get through it and when I get through it make sure I kind of share my knowledge and experience which we've started to do 
Joe, it sounds like a fascinating topic. Martin, it sounds like you've got some real good advice that can help people out in uh, in whatever they're doing in life as well. So good luck with the event. We're going to stick the link out on our Twitter account, at MCR Footy Social. You can check it out there. You can get your tickets through there. And, uh, yeah, hope it all goes well to plan. Cheers, that's Martin, Robert Hall and Joe Thompson, former Rochdale player who has an inspiring story. It's a fascinating tale. If you want to get down to the event, like I say, you can find the link at MCR Footy Social is the place to head for that one. While we got your Steve and Jay, I just want to wrap up with a comment that was made by Solskjaer during his press conference today in which he criticised, yet again, another manager criticising the scheduling of games because he was <laughs> complaining that... Manchester United played Wednesday, Saturday, and now Tuesday. Oh, welcome to our world, well, Ollie. That's it. His comparison <laughs> was Manchester City get to play Tuesday. There's an agenda against oh, you. Know, really? You get yeah, two went extra down days. That Good old Ollie. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> United saw City United getting on. Let's have a bit more needle. Come on. Normally, Ollie's Bring really on. positive, isn't he? That, yeah, that's the first time I've yeah. heard him say anything like that. So I guess little things are creeping in with Ollie a little bit. He was yeah. slightly there was a veiled sort of insults almost towards Herrera, where he sort of insinuated that Herrera's contract negotiations had prolonged his injury, which whatever that meant. He's also made a couple of comments that haven't been that have more or less said. You know, we need to strengthen, and he's not been the yes man that I think everyone first thought it was which is good yeah to me it does seem silly because I know that UEFA have this rule but we played late the late kickoff on a Saturday and I think even that was a bit silly We could, if we're going to play on a Saturday why not just play at 3 o'clock why did we have to have our late kickoff on a Saturday when we've got to fly out to Barcelona for a Tuesday night game I think the Premier League could have maybe helped us out there but you know United and the FA and the Premier League and UEFA never really get along is it about time that the Premier League sorted out their priorities and gave British teams a leg up in the Champions League when they get to these latter stages friendly scheduling like it's very nice you say British I think I don't, I don't think the Rangers and Celtic are going to do any uh, do any damage in the Champions League but that, it's very that's diplomatic that's the problem that's why no. yeah. <laughs> scheduling, scheduling. Um, it'd be nice having said that like, we're, we're quite rich and well off in general Like I, it's a bit like oh look at the poor millionaires yeah, you know yeah. I, I think in general it's part and parcel of being a successful big club isn't it I said that as someone who's pretty new to it but I presume in general the, the more successful you are the but, more games I think, I think in all his defence, if we do fail to get past Barcelona, that will be the reason. It's, <laughs> that is, is the scheduling that we've the done only for reason. us. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're, we're better than Barcelona, but the Premier League <laughs> have had us over. So he'll be proud of themselves. They've ruined hours. it for everyone. It is crazy, even as a fan, keeping up with the amount of games we've got at the moment. I'm just tired from watching games at the mm, moment. So imagine yeah. actually playing them because it feels like as soon as one game is finished, you're thinking about the next I one think straight it's relentless. away. It's it's easy just, to, you know, I always look back at 99 with like rose tinted glasses and think we had games coming thick and fast. I mean, people forget we actually went quite far, far in like the League Cup, even. And, you know, we went all the way in the FA Cup all the way in the league um, and the Champions League and the game's coming thick and fast and we didn't change our team that much compared to now but I think the standard now and fitness is so high that it's just different Steve, Jay thank you very much for coming on the Football Cheers. Social today Steve will be back tomorrow for the Manchester City Football Social Jay will be back very soon as well on Friday I think for another Football Social we'll see you soon Manchester Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Jay. Good show, boys. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we're, we're applause. Thanks for having us. <laughs> no worries. I've never clapped myself before. That's fine. <laughs> I was Thank clapping you, Steve. I thought I, you were clapping I me. And clapping that's, there you go. Yeah, my you, ego. I'm like, I'm clapping yourself. So you got two claps. <laughs> I might just start doing that in my day-to-day job. Just every time I do something. <laughs> well, 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 congratulations. It's me thinking you were applauding me as well. I was like, oh, bless him. It's 2019 approach to life. Save spaces in applauding yourself. Right. I've got a little game for us to play to wrap up the podcast. It's about Premier League players who have made a whole load of money sitting on the bench this season so <laughs> in terms of the minutes spent on the bench and My the heroes. amount of money they earn per minute I've got the top five here yes who do we reckon's in the top Benjamin five Benjamin Mendy Benjamin Mendy is not but he spent a lot of time injured so I don't think that counts oh sorry Injuries okay, don't okay, count. Okay, it's actually time meant... spent what? sitting on the bench, on the bench. Um, would Cater be in I know he's played a lot recently, yeah. but he spent a lot of time on the bench. And he was a big signing, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he's not in the top. There's a very obvious choice that you're both missing. Oh, is it like a keeper or something? Like oh, is it Sanchez? Of course. Of course it Alexis, sorry, Sanchez. what was I thinking? Yeah. He's earned £4.8 million pounds while and sitting on the going, bench probably. this season. As we're speaking, he's earned another 800 grand just <laughs> yeah. during this conversation. Oh, wait, and another. Yeah, there, there we, we go. go. <laughs> yeah, that's a million. Number two in the list. Can you get number two? He's not Manchester-based, but he's not too far away. 
Okay, it's a Liverpool player then, is it? It is a Liverpool, Liverpool player. Uh, is it? Okay, it's not Keith. It's Sturridge or someone. Not it's Daniel Sturridge. Oh, well, well done. <laughs> Thanks, uh, good grab. Yeah, well done. Go. Now, there's two City players in this list as well, Steve. I'm going to oh. see if you can identify both of them. Mares. Mares is in the list. And then, oh, Hayono doesn't play much. Is it? Okay, um... Gabriel Jesus. Nicholas Otamendi. Otamendi. Oh, he's played loads recently. That's probably really? why I'm confused because he's played go. a lot of games recently. There was an interesting message That's, that we I'm had. Sure that. There was an interesting message we had um, about Mahrez that I was going to reach during the show and we didn't manage to get around to it. But it's from a player saying that, sorry, from a fan saying he's never disliked a Manchester City player more than he dislikes Mahrez. <laughs> uh, there's a Johnny idiot. come I'm lately sorry. to the City fraternity yeah. then. Eh? So wow. selfish. <laughs> And he'd rather see Foden playing. Do you, do you know what? I saw something on Twitter, People though, that are so said... dramatic these days, aren't Could Mahrez's missed penalty Anfield, though? Could that mm. be the one? It could do, but yeah. then there's loads of things around. I mean, I wouldn't say he's the most hated player ever. That's it's just a bit mad, harsh. isn't it? I'm so bored of this kind of, like, everything has to be the worst or the best in the current moment. Mahrez is... Is selfish a fair thing to say about him? Because I don't get that from Mahrez. I think he's just desperate nah, to do well. I think he's trying he's so Selfish hard. for selfish reasons or selfish because he don't knows no other way and he's a bit stupid. I think two different <laughs> things. Like, no. I think in general, his game and selfish isn't very high. But I don't think he's selfish for the sake of look at me. I think he's just that's how he plays. If right. that makes sense, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think he's trying to. We've all played with players like that. Yeah, I don't think he's trying to do it wrong. I think he just doesn't really have the. And that's what I hoped. Uh, I think I think that's what Pep would hope would happen. That he'd learn how to look up and be involved a bit mm-hmm. more. But I don't think it's happened. He's come from a one-man show well, alongside Vardy at yeah, Leicester, yeah. when he was the big fish. He could do what he wanted. Uh, he had more space than we're into. Um, do you think he'll still be there next season? Yeah, it's just too expensive not to be there next season. Simple as that, really. Um, I'm hoping maybe second season will be a bit better, but it looks like um, he's a, <laughs> he's still not the biggest flop in Manchester this season in terms of expensive wingers. But there like, you, there you go. Yeah, we then, might not be winning titles, but we've still got one <laughs> accolade you can't take from us. Yeah. Hey, put right. that in your pipe. There's one more on this list that we need to box off. Um, a London-based player. Oh, go on. Um, Is it Özil? It is Mesut Ozil. Yeah. So he's only just started playing, playing only recently. He's, and he's playing about... Fortnite all season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 3.3 million quid he's made on the bench this so season. so envy these players. I know. It's amazing, yeah. isn't it? We have to pay 70 quid to go and watch a game of football. And they get, they get the best seat in the house and pay to, yeah. for the privilege. I pay 50 quid for the worst seat in the house uh, the Etihad for the game of Wednesday against Spurs. I'm going on my own because no one that can afford it. That comes because we usually Mrs. can't afford it. So it's like 50 quid for the worst seat. Let's, let's wrap up with one question then because obviously we've got mm. Manchester City versus Spurs on Wednesday night. We've got Manchester United against Barcelona on Tuesday night. How many English teams are going to still be in the Champions League when we get to the semi-final stages? Uh, I'm going I'm, I'm to you know, plant my flag and be positive and say that United will be one of them. So there's one. I okay. think Liverpool are already going to do Porto. Um, obviously, someone from City of Spurs is an English team. So, yeah. Steve, oh, which one? Well, yeah, it's uh, all be. three. I say, well, all three. Oh, three teams. <laughs> Don't ask me which one's from City. I think uh, City will prevail, to be honest with you. Two. I think Barcelona, Messi will be too much for United. Mm. I love pull a through. <laughs> then one City, day, there you go. I'm right. One it, or two. Is it <laughs> City or Spurs? I think City will win it. I think we'll turn up. I think it'll be a very big performance. I think we'll really go for it and it'll be like 3 nil or something like that. I'm feeling really confident. I think we'll really go for it. Okay. Make sure you get the you full lowdown from Steve. He'll be talking about City <laughs> tomorrow night on the Manchester City Football Social. Boys, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.